Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we are both very excited to be talking to you about the 1995 science fiction film, Strange Days. Have you ever jacked in? Have you ever wire tripped? Ready? <laughs> this is not like TV, only better. This is life. It's a piece of somebody's life. It's about the stuff that you can't have, right? The forbidden fruit, straight from the cerebral cortex. I mean, you're there, you're doing it, you're feeling it. Are you beginning to see the possibilities here? I am your main connection to the switchboard of souls. I'm the magic man. This has got something to do with the water. Sooner or later, it washes up on your beach. Fan mail from some flounder. It's the dark end of the street. How do you like it now? You recalls it all. Everything. And gives it to you. Why me? There's more to this whole thing than you think. Give us the tape right now! You don't know how high up the food chain this thing goes. Do you know what this tape could do if it got out? I see the world opening up and swallowing us all. This is conspiracy paranoia. The issue isn't whether you're paranoid, Lenny. The issue is whether you're paranoid enough. No more games. Whatever's going on, you have to get out of here now. Get him out. This tape is a lightning bolt from God. It can change things, things that need changing before we all go off the end of the road. It'll be an all-out war, and you know it. No! Well, maybe it's time for a war. No! Oh, man, cheer up. World's gonna end in 10 minutes anyway. have a synopsis for us mr huddleston i do so strange days as you said 1995 film it was a not a screenplay but a story idea by james cameron it was directed by Catherine bigelow and it stars ray fines angela bassett juliet lewis tom sizemore michael wincott vincent d'onofrio and the synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is former policeman Lenny Nero, Ray Fiennes, has moved into a more lucrative trade, the illegal sale of virtual reality-like recordings that allow users to experience the emotions and past experiences of others. While the bootlegs typically contain tawdry incidents, Nero is shocked when he receives one showing a murder. He enlists a friend, bodyguard Mace, Angela Bassett, to help find the killer, and the two soon stumble upon a vast conspiracy involving the police force Nero once worked for. So I don't remember if, if you had seen this or not. Yes, I have. Oh, a couple okay. Times. I haven't seen okay. it in a while, but I, I have seen it a couple times. I had not seen it, but you you go ahead. and No, no, you go. This is the okay. way we do it. 
So I, yeah, this was one that for whatever reason, I, you know, I was aware of this film, but I just never got around to seeing it. And then they recently, this started getting a bit of a buzz. So we tried to watch this a while back and it was right. hard to find. Yeah. And they recently added it to HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, it is on there. Um, great print. It looks fantastic. And and that's the first thing I'd say about the movie. It looks really great. The, the you know, the the look of it I thought was excellent. Um, all of the performances are are good. It it was um it was interesting to me to see Ray finds in kind of a different different role. He's a bit his he's a bit of a sad sack, you know, in this. And where you know we're used to seeing him as villains and um, very kind of intimidating. But but he's more you know a lot of this movie you feel kind of sorry for him. Um, there are a lot of uh, interesting themes I think, and we can get into that more as as we go along. Um, the my only real criticism that I would have of this, that the only thing that, that kind of bummed me out is uh, so we spoil these movies and this, this is a major spoiler right off the bat. So yeah, this is a, this is a mystery. It's like a, it's like, yeah, it's a mystery. Kind of a neo-noir, hard, right? Yeah. Hard boiled. Exactly. Neo-noir. So it's a detective story. We get things get gritty and, dirty and ugly and there's a sort of a sickening twist at the end so we are gonna we're gonna spoil that so that was my the biggest complaint that i liked almost everything about this movie but the my my one real complaint is so you have tom sizemore who is this he's the best friend of ray fines and so Ray finds is he deals in. So uh, there are these virtual reality kind of headset things that people wear and it's called squid. Right. I think. Um, yeah. And, I don't. Yeah. And, and they spell out what that stands for. Right. And Ray finds sells these, they call them tapes, but they're, they're mini discs is what they used to because mini discs seemed futuristic at the time, I guess. Um, and they, so people, you know, record themselves doing various things. And the the ones that he sells, they tend to be porn, basically. Or there are some at the very beginning of the movie is a robbery and a guy falls to his death at the end of that. I was a little unclear. Is is the technology entirely illegal? Like, is it like you're not allowed to have the tech or is it just the these racy things that he's selling are, are illegal. I was kind of unsure about that. I don't actually remember. I think it's illegal. I think it's black market, um, that it was developed by the government. Um, they say in the film, it was developed by the cops or the government as a replacement for the wire. So you could be wearing one of these little, it looks like a little rubber, um, spider thing that, with yeah. nodes and and what happens a lot is people wear it under a hat or under a bad wig. So they're recording. They've got one of these things you, you put on this little, um, you know, rubber cement looking sort of skull cap. Right. And uh, that's how you watch other people's recordings. And that's how you record. So uh, Ray but, finds but, uh, my understanding is that it's it's it is illegal, but it's sort of everywhere. You know, it, what made it made me think of like weed or something, it's right? Like, 
you're not supposed to do it, but everybody seems to be doing it. Uh, yeah. And Ray Fines is able to get, you know, kind of the good stuff to sell right. to wealthy businessmen, you know, and these and these kind of people. And he he finds one of so Juliet Lewis is this ex-girlfriend of his that's gotten involved with this music producer guy who's evil. And he keeps trying Ray Fines keeps trying to get her back. And her, this friend of hers gets murdered. And it's one of the recordings is of this guy murdering her. And then there's, you know, there's a, a couple other examples of that. And so spoiler alert, it turns out to be Tom Sizemore and pretty much from the first almost frame that you see Tom Sizemore, you're like, well, he's going to turn out to be bad. You know, <laughs> that was just so, I mean, just, so I was really disappointed when it turned out to be that he was the killer because it was just so blatantly obvious, you know? And I was just thinking, you know, he doesn't get a lot logic. of, he doesn't get a lot of good guy roles, Tom Sizemore. That's true. Like, yeah. And he has this ridiculous long hair wig in it. And it, and it, in the to credit in the, to credit the movie at the end they show that it's a wig. He Juliet Lewis rips it off of him, but but uh, yeah, that was the only thing that kind of you know. And I just thought it was funny that it's like, oh, this is your best friend, and you just didn't know that they were the psycho killer guy, you know. But uh, and then by the end of the film, so there is a there's kind of several plot lines going on, but there's a rapper who is also this kind of revolutionary who is killed by the police. He's shot by Vincent D'Onofrio and that has been recorded. And Ray Fiennes has the recording of that. And the cops are trying to get it back from, from him. That's actually, that's actually why Iris gets killed. Right. Because was, she was the one, who'd Iris been wearing, was one the, wearing the wire that recorded the assassination of this. He's sort of, um, He's a prevalent hip hop artist, but he's also kind of a uh, civil rights icon too. He's right, a very outspoken, a la Malcolm X, about the inequities and how you know racist evolved and and all of that. But he's also like um, t a chart topping um, rapper, right? So when you, by the time you get to the end of the movie. Um, they are Ray Fines and Angela Bassett are well, Angela Bassett confronts the the dirty cops and um and then uh she has them handcuffed and at gunpoint and other cops come in and start beating her. And so I did not remember from the time that the that the film was released there being controversy about it. And I read a couple of articles and they said that it was, you know, somewhat controversial at the time, but it felt like, you know, and a lot of good science fiction does this, that this movie is almost more relevant today than what it was at the time that it was made. And, you know, this is a one distinction would be that it, it was a clear reference to Rodney King, you know, her being be yeah. beaten is a, and, you know, I read that, you know, James Cameron said it was about, you know, about that, about the L.A. riots and everything. But I had just got to thinking, man, if this movie were released now, you know, we didn't have social media and all these different all the outlets that we have now. I think this would be hugely controversial, a movie where, you know, the cops are beating a black woman 
and then the crowd starts beating the cops and stomping on them and you know all yeah of this. i don't know i don't know maybe i don't know I just, how controversial I just thought... it be i think i think one of my and i like this movie i'll i'll show you my hand ahead of times but mm-hmm. one of the things i think that doesn't quite work about it and why it wasn't a bigger movie than... let me interrupt you for one second the it was a flop it the budget was 42 million. It only brought in about 8 million. Wow. Yeah. That is a pancake. I didn't realize yeah. it did that poorly. Yeah, it did really badly. It's not a great script. Uh the the you know the the sort of the plot ends up feeling kind of formulaic. Mm-hmm. Um, the dialogue is a little canned, like it's a little hard-boiled. However, You've got some terrific, you know, I think Ray Fiennes and, and uh, Angela Bassett um, make it soar as much as it can. Like there mm-hmm. was a, there was a handful of times when I was sort of distracted by sometimes in a movie where I think the writing gets a little clinky, no matter how compelling the performance is, I it kicks me back out of the movie and I'm imagining the words on the page that the actor just said. And this that happened a few times for me in this film. But I thought the performances were compelling. They're both so young and they're both so good looking, you know. Uh and it, it's not it's certainly not the fault of the actors. And D'Onofrio, you know, it's clear that he was directed to sort of channel a lot of the D'Onofrio energy that he brought to uh Full Metal Jacket in this. And I think they and this is the director. This isn't the actor. I think the the director should have pulled him back a little bit because he's pretty over the top. Mm-hmm. Like he is evil incarnate. He's a snarling, you know, mad dog of a racist cop. It we what it what the movie teases is that this is some big conspiracy that goes all the way to the top, and it follows through on that red herring. What turns out is nope, it's just these, it's just this racist cop and his loyal racist partner. Like right. his partner probably wouldn't have even shot the guy at the traffic stop. I mean, they they definitely pulled him over because he was driving while black. Mm-hmm. But then while this guy started chewing him out, he's on his knees, you know, saying, Oh, wait till you hear my next song. I and he reads his name off of his, you know, badge. Stig Stiglitz or Stigler or whatever is like just you just wait, Officer Stigler, till you hear my next number one single because it's going to mm-hmm. be all about you. And um, the D'Onofrio character has enough snaps and just executes him, just shoots him in the head, and then shoots the other guy. And then it's it's those two and and two women, and and the women take off. One of them is Iris. That's we're seeing at her point of view, and the other one runs and they shoot her in the back. And Iris sort of gets away by the skin of her teeth. And that's kind of what sets the whole thing in motion. But that where it ends is Angela Bassett wants to blow the whole thing open. And uh, Ray Fiennes says, you know, you can trust the this police commissioner. He is, um, you know, he's a straight arrow to a fault. Like, I hate him. And he's, he fired mm-hmm. me. And uh, I think he's a real prick. Yeah, uh, but he's you know there's no way this guy is not clean. He's honest, mm-hmm. so she takes his word for it and gives it to him. And it looks at first like 
he's just that's exactly the wrong thing and he's going to bury it. But he shows up at the end and arrests the two cops and it turns out it was just these two cops. Which I actually think in 2023 is kind of the safe op, right? I mean, after the Catholic Church and after we know what has come out about the LAPD and, you know, these things, it's terrible because I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you you do have, especially when it comes to race in America, you time and time again, you you have these... You know, like all of the all of the shootings of black motorists. And I mean, the, the list of names is as long as your arm. And you go, well, it's not that I think they get together and put on white hoods and agree to behave this way. But there doesn't only until extremely recently does there seem to be any repercussion. Oh, they get they're on paid leave for a couple of months and they come back. We just had the first uh, officer convicted of one of these shootings within the past year right it was 2021 or 2022 the first yeah. time ever anyone had ever so i actually feel like while it's not uh you know the illuminati uh it, it, it there does seem to be a kind of a business as usual where with yeah. social media and everything we, we we are what they weren't aware of in 1995 they couldn't see it from high enough up right they they couldn't piece together all of these different instances of iris to sort of see how widespread the you know proverbial cancer of this mm -hmm. institutional racism was so i don't know that it would be all that controversial now actually just because i the think people it would start probably... beating the police i mean the police would probably speak out against it but i think it would it probably there are just more outlets that would be talking about it. I, I think you would definitely yeah, have certain, so. I think you would definitely have certain, uh, you know, shows and, and, and things like that, that would be uh, complaining about this. Um, I don't know necessarily that the public at large would be, you know, it would be any more controversial with them than it was at the time. But I, I maybe, I guess it's just, they're just more, we have more of an outrage machine today than we did back then because of social media and all that, you know, that's, that's true. I would say that the first time I watched this, it, what felt sort of sci-fi dystopia was, and now this is set very much in LA and it doesn't zoom out to give us a picture of what it's like in other cities or the rest of the country or the rest of the world. But certainly what, what felt dystopian was you had said, you know, we, we had texted back and forth about it felt a little bit like Predator 2. It just mm -hmm. sort of open warfare in the streets and every yeah. man for himself and, you know, people mugging each other and hitting each other with cars and the cops sort of doing what they can. But there was just no stopping the chaos in the streets. And I think when I first saw this, which was closer to its release that felt kind of radical to me that there would be this big this big population of people that felt so close to the boiling point mm -hmm. but after january 6th i'm like i mean the it's the the teams are sort of switched around and the colors and the topics are sort of switched around but i feel like our american society is so divided now Mm -hmm. That this concept of a society, you know, being afraid that it's going to boil over and people are going to say storm the Capitol or whatever, it doesn't feel 
like such a radical idea in 2023. Yeah, um, for sure. And what's what's interesting is that that's happened here in this film in there. It was made in 1995, but it, it's only projecting five years into the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I thought there's a lot of this movie that feels, um, you know, the idea that if they had said, well, it's 2025 or 2035, I think in 2023, the idea that you might get some technology that's that can read brain scans and record brain scans would seem a whole lot more plausible. Some, that's the right. sci-fi leap of this film is that they've got this technology that you can record. And it's like when you play it back, it's like you're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And they don't yeah. get under the hood into like how it all works. But that's the sci-fi magic wand of this film is this this magical technology. Right. That doesn't seem to have affected any other technology. There's not smart cars uh, when you get an answering machine message, there's sort of a transcription that pops up. It's like, hey, pal, and you see the words popping up on the screen as the guy talks. I'm like, that's it? You could read brainwaves? <laughs> and we anyway, also I... talked about via text. One one thing, this, this movie didn't feel all that dated to me. I mean, I guess the only thing that really felt dated was you, you have like a good bit of grunge music in this. Right. And then also um, the cars, you know, they're just cars that were around in 1995 and they don't really do anything to make, right. you know, and it's like you said, it's only five years. So it's not like cars change, you know, that much, but, but the other thing that, that they did not do was, and you said the, the styles kind of look like it's 1968 or something, you know, Ray Fiennes has this big wide tie, you know, that he wears. And I thought that was smart because, you know, we know that that fashions are constantly repeating themselves. I mean, we're in an era right now where like a lot of 90s stuff, you know, is coming back. And so I thought that was smart when when so many sci-fi movies want to have, you know, everybody wears see-through plastic clothing or something, you know, and that would make. Yes. But uh, but it didn't it didn't feel all that, you know, other than your and this is again you know, we've talked about this before. You you feel a little old if you're a la- around during this time watching these old films because, like you said, everybody's young and good looking. You know, and uh, I was amazed at uh, uh, how much Ray Fiennes looked like uh, Bradley Cooper. Like they could, you know, the two of them could have been brothers. I mean, I was yeah. I was. I was really knocked out by that, but um, uh, I had some other point that I was going to make. Oh, one thing that I thought was interesting is, you know, they, they, they're they kind of building up to, um, you know, it's it, you're coming on to New Year's Eve and they're building up to we're going into 2000 and like something terrible is going to happen. It kind of never really does other than this uh, thing with the cops beating Angela Bassett, but I was thinking was, uh, was the Y2K bug not a thing yet in 1995? Do you remember? Was it not until we got into like the last couple of years? I don't remember. I don't remember, but I, I do think it was like 98. Yeah. And into 99 when people were, were, had latched onto that as sort of, Despite what Microsoft was saying, it's like, we've patched it. It's fine. It's going to be fine. You know, 
people were like, oh, of course they're going to say that. And, you know, it was a sort of a technical thing that they could get a toehold on to make the, it is the aimless fear and seem plausible. I, like you said, I am not a conspiracy theorist, but I, I had kind of my own conspiracy theory about Y2K that you had the media was you know for a year or so leading up to it planes are going to fall out of the sky and if you're in an elevator you're gonna you know you're gonna fall to your death and just all these horrible things are gonna happen and then when we got close pretty close to it that kind of went away that they just sort of stopped talking about it and i always wondered if so that would have been the clinton administration i guess i always wonder if if kind of quietly behind the scenes if the me if the the government didn't say to media organizations you need to back off on this or there's going to be like a widespread panic you know it, it just always seemed yeah. funny to me that it was like this everybody's gonna die and it's gonna be horrible and then it just you know like it was almost like a few weeks before y2k it just kind of went away and they just stopped talking but it's i don't certainly- know if it just Something else bumped that out, but it was, I mean, they certainly wouldn't bother the media of today. Um, No, but uh, that that just always seems funny to me that it's possible that they threatened it. It's possible that they threatened litigation. They said, you know, we're recording this fear mongering you're doing and we know why you're doing it. It's to drive ratings. But Mm -hmm. if all hell breaks loose because of your fear mongering, you know, once we get things back under control, we are going to hold you accountable, you know, as for yeah. ginning this up. And that might have, that might have gotten their attention, but I, I have know. no evidence to back that up at all. But I always, I always just thought it, it always just seemed very strange to me that it was just like it, you know, everybody was just almost like terrified and then yeah. it just went away. I, I don't yeah. know if maybe there were other stories that, you know, they got, they decided it didn't, do well for ratings and other stories bumped it off or what, but it just always seemed very strange to me, but I don't know. But yeah, this, uh, um, I, you know, I'm, as I said, I'd always been aware of this, but I'm glad that I finally, uh, finally got around to seeing it because it's, I mean, I think it's a, um, it's certainly not hard sci-fi. I mean, you really, other than this AI technology, as we said, there, there isn't really any other sci-fi element to it, but it's just a, you know, a mostly well, pretty well put together, uh, more of a noir thriller kind of a thing that, that looks great. And also we, we talked about this via text as well. Oh no, you go ahead. No, I was just gonna, I was gonna agree with you. I think it's, this is 100% a noir thing. It with complete with the exploitation, right? There's a lot of skin. Um, a lot of what he's dealing in is sex stuff. You know, I mean, he one get one. There's a lawyer that comes in, and he gets. We get to see Ray Fiennes' character doing the sort of sales pitch. You know, the kind of first time free uh, sales pitch to a new affluent customer who's never done it before, and walking him through it. And he's like, you know, you wanna you wanna ski down you know you want you want to be skiing down the mountainside um you can get anything you want but he said i imagine a guy like you if you want to go skiing you just catch a flight to Vail and go skiing but you know you see that girl over there how'd you like to be 
the guy she's with there for 20 minutes, the right 20 minutes. So it's all very kind of pimp. It's all very pornographic stuff. You get the sense. And he, but, but, but he's a, uh, he's a pusher with a heart of gold because he mm-hmm. asserts from the beginning, I don't do blackjack snuff, which is basically snuff films where it's, you know, cause p- this is crazy, you know, blood in the streets, uh, LA there's, you know, all kinds of that material for those people who want to experience what he does sell is like guys, the very, fr- the opening scene, the hook is somebody's wearing, um, wearing one of these things and they knock over uh, like a liquor store or a convenience store. So you get the adrenaline and all this. And he's watching and the guy is trying to jump across a roof, but he falls to his death. And it, when he hits the ground, there's sort of static. And then we cut to Ray Fiennes ripping it off being like, man, why don't you warn me? You know, I hate that, you know? So, but it unfolds with, you know, there's a girl, uh, there's a woman that he um, was in love with and she's left him for another man. And, you know, that that guy is a real piece of work and he's always rubbing salt and Ray Fine. So it, it's very to formula, mm-hmm. except that it's set in a future where there's this technology. But. And it's kind of like uh, he we, really could have been selling like illicit film reels or something you know what i mean he really could have been selling some salacious something you know he's a kind of a greasy guy but he's got a heart of gold that's why angela bassett likes him he used to be a cop i would have liked to have seen more about why he quit being a cop exactly yeah because he does seem kind of broken he seems like a good guy that got pushed too far and was sort of like i can't do this anymore and now he's just I mean, he's charming and he's a good salesperson, but it's really the low. His place is a dump and he's living hand to mouth. Right. He's, he's always really his in the car gutter. keeps getting repossessed. Yeah, he's he's really living in the gutter. And I think it would have been interesting. Now, the other thing I'll say is I think this movie is too long. Yes, uh, it's two and a half hours long. And there uh, there's this. They could have cut out a whole plot thread from this and and probably brought it in at an hour 45 and it would have been a better movie Mm -hmm. like if they'd had just done if they'd had just done the whodunit or if they'd really wanted to play up the kind of race war theme i don't know i think it bit off more than it not necessarily could chew but more than it ended up sort of uh tying off i know that's mixing a metaphor by the end, I don't think it tied everything off elegantly. And that was a little disappointing. I, I realize as we're talking about this that I've been really picking it apart. And I think this is all true. And yet my experience of watching it, this may be the fourth time I've seen this movie since it came out. I think it's a really enjoyable watch. And I mm-hmm. think it's just because the performances are so committed. You know, I mean, I yeah. think that these are actors that have really done their work. Sometimes the dialogue is a little corny. Sometimes it's over the top and sometimes things haven't aged as well as other things. But, you know, especially the scenes where Ray Fiennes and Angela Bassett are, you know, in the scene together. I just think it's absolutely absorbing. You know, right. his his American accent is good, but not great. Um. You know, there's lots of little, lots of little um, quirks and things to pick apart about this movie, but I do enjoy watching it. 
Yeah. With the kind of nitpicky things, you definitely have some, some movie logic stuff in this that we, we have a bit of the same thing as we had with uh, cherry 2000 that we watched recently, where there's a bit of a, uh, almost a romantic comedy, even though this is not a funny movie, but almost a romantic comedy kind of conceit where it's like he's in love with one girl and the girl that he should be with or the woman he should be with is in love with him. And, you you know, you're watching the movie and you're like, forget about Juliette Lewis and just go with, you know, uh, with uh, uh, Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. Stop taking her for granted. Yeah, stop taking her for granted. She's and, and, amazing. And right? you also have the thing of, yeah, I mean, she looks incredible. She could beat up any anybody. And does. She saves <laughs> his bacon does. a number of times in this movie. Nobody would ever mess with you. If, if you if they did, she would beat them up. But you also have the thing of, you know, he's a good looking guy. But as you said, he's a mess. And, you know, you could maybe see why. Juliet Lewis would make, you know, she has all these problems and things and, you know, obviously isn't making great life, life choices, but Angela Bassett seems to have things together. It's sort of like, why is she interested in him? Right. You know, there's one scene where when he was the cop, a back, a, a, you know, flashback when he was a cop, right. something happened at, at her house and she had this little boy and, well, you know, her husband, her father, him. The, her husband, the father of her young son, was into something illegal. Right. In the house, dealing drugs, something. And the cops come and drag him out, and he's in prison. And, she, you know, she's a nurse. We see her kind of coming home from work to this scene at the house as her husband's being dragged out. And she's screaming at him, like, in, you know, in the house where your son is, you know? And she she runs inside to find her son, and... Uh, I was going to say Bradley Cooper, <laughs> Ray Fiennes, who then is a cop, is, you know, kneeling there with the son, kind of talking him down, being like, you know, he's saying something about, you know, loves you very much and everything's going to be okay. And he's comforting the kid. And so mm-hmm. that's the sort of thing we see. But at the end, when we have this sort of what feels like an 80s action movie shot where... Um, D'Onofrio's got a gun and starts, you know, sort of goes into slow-mo and he starts shooting at them. He's trying to shoot Angela Bassett and Ray finds is there and sort of grabs her and spins her around. So like shields her with his body mm-hmm. and it's, it's an impulsive, you know, it's just like this protective act. And so we, and she gets more talking about it than he does. He's he's kind of checked out and worried about his own shallow stuff for most of the movie. But we, you know, we we get the portrait of a woman who is looking for a man who shows up, mm-hmm. and he is a mess, and she's right on the verge of giving up on him, literally in the movie. But I think she senses that he's he's damaged, but deep down he's a right guy. Right. And that's, that's what she loves about him is that he is a, he's a, he's a show up guy when push comes to shove and we don't get Mm -hmm. to see an aftermath where he gets his life together or whatever. It's just not that movie, but I did think that Hollywood ending was, it, it made me laugh a little bit because you have the, uh, you know, so you have D'Onofrio and the other David 
uh, Fitchner is the other cop. So that's another guy who went on to be, you know, a, a big actor. And um, the the police chief or whatever he is comes in and says, "Arrest these, arrest these men." Just and in the has, middle of this crowd, everybody, in the middle of this mob scene, as if like he's at like a fancy like, black tie party somewhere. And no, no, now he is down here in the middle of the streets. Why? What they, are you doing here? And you knew that was what was going to happen, that of he course. was going to come in, you know, to the rescue. But uh, but yeah, as if like even the other police would be like, you can't go down there. You know, you're going to get killed. But he goes in and says, arrest this, these men. And, and sadly, and go ahead. They, they set it up like he's going to walk in and say, unhandcuff these men, exonerate these men, you know, because he's the head of the secret cabal. Right. And what he says mm-hmm. instead is arrest these men. <laughs> yeah. And then they they are taking um, they take Juliet Lewis away in a police car, you know, because he's been involved in all this stuff and, and she gets let off. And so then they uh, each of of Angela Bassett and Ray Fines have been injured. And so they they're taking they actually uh, put Angela Bassett in the limousine of the police chief. And, you know, they're going to take her. I get I don't know if they're going to take her home or they're going to take her to the hospital or what. And then Ray Fines runs over and, you know, puts his hands on the glass and she gets out and kisses him. And I thought, you know, Angela Bassett would just be like, you were just talking a few hours ago about how much you love this woman. And it's like, is it just like, oh, uh, you know, now that she's going away to prison or whatever, now you're going to have, you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Oh, you think a person in real life would a person in real life would just be kind of pissed. Just like, I don't know, man. (laughs) In real life, you'd be in shock from all the trauma that just. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it's a crazy rock ending. But yeah, so it's a very it's a very Hollywood. uh, I'm still surprised that at 41 million, it only made eight. Like, I just think it's a more entertaining film than that. Now, maybe it was hot button issues. Like maybe it just wasn't scene? marketed well at the time, you know, who knows, know. But, but considering this cast, you know, and everything. And another point that you brought up, um, I was listening to another podcast and they uh, reviewed wild things. And I'm sure we had, we probably had a similar discussion to this back when we did um, basic instinct, but they were talking about how, you know, the erotic thriller was such a big thing in, in the eighties or in the, in the nineties, uh, really kind of late eighties, early nineties. And then it went away. And this has some elements of that erotic thriller thing. Although you get into where, you know, some of it is titillating, but some of it is also disturbing because there's, there's a rape scene in, in, in this film, pretty harrowing. I mean, yeah. Um, but It, it is because it's a murder. Yeah, we see it POV a rape from the murder, killer yeah. that that is recording it. So Ray Fiennes experiences it in part. I mean, the the event, uh, the circumstance itself, is upsetting on its own. Right. But, uh, what's interesting to me about the trope of this sort of you know brain scan thing is that then seeing another character who has just experienced it, not just watched it like watching a tape, but experienced it like when the thing is finally over he kind of rips the thing off his head and lunges out of the car and is vomiting on the sidewalk you know because it's so upsetting to him and it's amplified by then you have another not just a witness but like almost a participant in it 
And I think that's all performance, like indirecting that you, you have to be like, wow, we need to, you now need to springboard off what the audience, the film audience has just seen by showing, you know, by, by anchoring that mm-hmm. in the film by how traumatic we just watched it. He just lived it. Right. right? And I think that it's, it's a funny thing. Like, I just think that the film is quite successful in doing they that. They do a good job presenting that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and watching it sometimes having, um, you know, like when he's selling it to the lawyer for the first time, he gives him a little taste. He's like, I'm just, I want you, before we start talking about prices, I just want you to see what we're talking about. And he puts it on and the guy sort of starts caressing himself and mm-hmm. sighing. And it's funny. You know, you're like, what the hell is happening here? Uh, and when he takes it off, you know, he's looks, he looks amazed. And he says, you were just an 18 year old girl taking a shower. Yeah. You know, and the guy's face lights up. He's like, you beginning to see the possibilities of this. And yeah. it really sells the concept. Right. So if you just say, oh, it's this funny rubber hat you wear and it lets you be other people and experience, but it's safe. Right. You know, it's not, you're not really doing it. You're just getting to all the benefits of it without any of the consequences. Um, we get to see that sold through the actor's performances. And I think that really, that smacks of Cameron to me. Yeah. You know, that, that the only way this, you, this concept gets off the ground is if you really show us how impactful, you know, we need to see these users experiencing this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why I like this movie is it's very successful at that. For sure, yeah. But it does, it does, I mean, it's very much like body double. It's very much a sort of sex thriller in spirit. And that's one of the things that I think is interesting along the lines of that, um, you know, talking about wild things in some of these other movies is, you know, I don't know, like people who are maybe in their 20s now and weren't around when in the nineties and, you know, late eighties is to me, it's a little bit, it's a little bit surprising when you watch these movies and there, so you had, you know, so many actors in this, uh, you know, Ray Fiennes would have been coming off of, uh, uh, Schindler's list. I mean, Schindler's list would have been a couple of years before this. Angela Bassett was a big star. Uh, Juliette Lewis would have done, um, natural born killers a year before this, which was a big deal. And of those actors, um, she's the only one who's nude, but Juliette Lewis is naked in this a lot, a you lot. know? And so, and that just, we don't really have that in, you know, outside of kind of art house movies, all that has moved to TV, you know, HBO and all the streaming things. Exactly. Lots of, lots of nudity there. Exactly. Game but of Thrones, new- right? It's about dragons, but it's this sort of soft core Cinemax, soft core late night. A lot, a lot of long, very graphic sex scenes in that show. But but with movies, with like major movie releases, it's almost like it's taboo. You know, I don't know if it's just to appeal to the widest audience possible or what, but but it's just interesting how much that has changed and it just all moved to TV. I don't know if it's if it's because, you know, people can just see that in the privacy of their own homes and 
Oh, that's, people are, you know, that, more that touchy about it today in a group. I don't know, but um, that actually that makes a lot of sense, right? Because it's not that oh, people don't want to see this anymore. Mm-hmm. People definitely want to see it. Um, it was super popular in the '80s, right, all the way up through. That was a super popular genre, right? Um, and even just nudity in general. I mean, they threw nudity yeah. into comedies and stuff. You know, there'd be a you know, a quick like shower scene or a woman's changing clothes or whatever. But, but I, I thought bet they I... discovered that people got uncomfortable in a group. So you're yeah. all sitting in a big movie theater with strangers and something really hot's going on on screen that audiences are like, you know, privately, I really enjoyed that scene, but it did yeah. make me a little uncomfortable. Like, you know, I go to church with some of these people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe and, that's but, it. But at home you can, you know, go back, you could pause the screen now. I mean, I think people just like to, experience it privately probably but you make that remake this movie today and have an a-list actor in the juliette lewis role and they're not going to probably not not going to do that much you know yeah so i just think that's kind of an interesting aside i mean that's definitely something that has changed a great deal with with movies kind of the movies that we grew up versus today now part of that is we have so many Marvel movies and those kind of things. So there's a lot of, you know, this movie is a, a pretty hard R. I mean, it's not, there, there's not really a lot of blood in it, but, but in terms of just the language and the, and the themes, the nudity and the themes, it's, it's pretty, pretty hard. Yeah, R. It's, um, it's, it's very, you know, hard boiled language and, um, there is some violence and there's definitely a lot of skin, but it's really like it's those scenes, like the rape scenes and the murders. That the, was dis- are, the the rape scene was disturbing, and I mean the even the scene where even the scene where when the uh, when Vincent Vincent D'Onofrio shoots the guy, I mean that was pretty. Yeah, and it's you know, an execution. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and then when they're chasing after Lois, you know, and all of that, Cameron said in in, a, in another article that I read, Cameron said in addition to this being about the LA riots and the um the Rodney King beating that this was and I and I you know wasn't really thinking about this as being as much of a deal then as what it was because you think of reality TV kind of being the Kardashians and those kind of things but but he also talked about this as being um about reality television and voyeurism and all this kind of stuff I mean I guess maybe we had the uh you know the like Geraldo and those kind of things the talk shows that were um and i guess probably cops was probably around at this time right 1995 it, cops would have been around it was coming it yeah. was definitely coming and i think we might have had stuff like um survivor you know right. i think we had already waded into the very beginnings of it but all um, of that has just you know increased exponentially since then so it's right. another thing that's you know even more valid about the movie today than when than when it was released right and i i mean this is a whole different conversation but sometimes late at night when i'm done watching a movie if i've smoked or something and i'm not quite ready to turn it off and go to bed i'll pull up youtube and i'll sort of start you know spelunking down some different avenues in youtube and there you know i think we have just like in the early internet when it was mostly porn and like, mm-hmm. you know, list serves, it has now gotten to a place. There's of course, there's still all that on the internet, but it has branched out. You can, you, it's gotten to the point where you can 
find the answer or information or opinions on just about anything in seconds. It's it's really a game changer. And I feel like YouTube, which at first started off being a lot of people trying to, you know, make it or become a star or whatever. There's now a ton of content, not just YouTube, but TikTok or whatever of, you know, user generated content that takes all different. Everybody's doing it because they're hoping someone will watch, but they're not all trying to be the same three or four things now. Sure. There are lots of people trying to be the three or four things they believe that everybody wants to watch, right? They're just chasing the numbers. But there's a lot of really weird, interesting, like people making their own music. Like I wrote this mm -hmm. song and they play it for you and that's the video. And you're like, wow, that's that was really good. And I think I would never would have been able to see that. Like this person mm -hmm. lives in Washington State and I just never would have been able to see or been aware of this person's music without this platform. And I'm not evangelizing for the platform. I'm just saying that we all rolled our eyes when Survivor came out and doing people were like, you know, oh God, unscripted reality television or whatever it is. But from the very beginning, the ratings were insane. So mm -hmm. people were clearly riveted by it for better or for worse. And I feel like what I didn't like about that was how manipulated and formulaic and you know the 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 illusion was that this was spontaneous but it it really was quite heavily scripted whether or not the thing coming out of people's mouths was pre-written or not they mm -hmm. curated it very aggressively to suit that kind of you know msg appetite viewers had mm -hmm. whereas Places like YouTube now and these platforms are more like the wild, wild west. I mean, certain things rise to the top of the algorithm, but if you are looking for something specific and you spend a little time looking for it, you could find almost anything. Yeah. And some of it is absolutely, you know, not to any formula at all. You're kind of like, wow, cool. I mean, well, and you have, you have all the, you know, you have all the positive things that you mentioned and you also have things like, you know, with, with TikTok, um, you know, and YouTube to a degree, but especially with TikTok, where you have people sharing, um, you know, it's like voluntary voyeurism where it's like, oh, you know, I've seen things, I'll get into some algorithm somehow where it's like, oh, my spouse just left me and the per person's talking about it and crying or my dog just died oh or whatever. God. And they're doing a, you know, like essentially Broadcast like a reaction yeah. video to that to real for, trauma wow and because they want to share that you know for whatever reason and you know that's fine you know more power to the people but but that is um you know that's kind of a, a voyeurism that the people are doing themselves rather yeah. than somebody else filming it you know anyway i mean i didn't mean to get so off track i i, I want to wrap this up just in the interest sure. of time but uh you know i think just to bring that thought back around to the movie, I think there is a lot of theme level stuff that you can point to in this film and use as a starting point for a conversation, whether it's race or, um, uh, you know, uh, specifically with the police, uh, specifically in LA, um, technology and voyeurism, all of these things. I think at the end of the movie, they tie it off like it was 
a classic noir thing with a Hollywood ending. They definitely know, wrap it up in a little bow, you know, with a little bow. And and I think that you know some of these themes that get kind of gestured at and hinted towards, not even hinted towards, but introduced into the movie, don't get developed. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, and there's this, and don't forget about that major thing. And oh, also, well, this is crazy too, right? And all of this is going on. Well, meanwhile, you know, someone gets killed and it kind of wants it both ways. It kind of wants you to take it seriously as a movie about capital I, important capital T things. But what it really is at its heart is just a detective story. It's, I mean, I, I like the genre, but it's sort of an exploitation genre. Mm-hmm. And it wants to titillate in all of those ways. And it, it it kind of, you know, it wants its cake and it wants to eat it too. And I think that it, it could have been a better movie if it didn't try to talk about important things or introduce them so hard. They could be the world in which it's set. But the movie does more than this because the movie is two and a half hours long because it actually devotes talking time where people are like, oh, you know, this or that's happening is crazy. Who? Where's it going to end? And then they they follow it for a little while, but it never really gets the treatment. It really never gets um, mined in a meaningful mm-hmm. way. Does that does that make sense to you? I mean, did sure, you feel yeah. that when you watch this? Like it 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 was like trying to get cachet by bringing in these big things, and then it didn't ever really unpack them in any yeah, they- way. They're definitely kind of trying to do a little bit too much because the the uh, Tom Sizemore turning out to be the killer and then, you know, and another spoiler alert, you know, he falls off of the top of this building and that kind of feels like the finale. And then we have this, you know, extra bit with the police and, and Angela Bassett and all that. And it does it does seem a bit like, yeah. you know, kind of too many things going on at once, but inexplicably uh the sixth sense leaps to my mind right the sixth Mm -hmm. sense has a twist ending it's i mean i don't want to spoil the sixth sense for anybody listening who hasn't seen the sixth sense there's a twist ending and it's about the kid and the guy right and the guy is a therapist and the kid is having a traumatic experience and the therapist is helping the kid get through it right and we learn things along the way and then there's a crazy twist at the end but the sixth sense doesn't start, you know, getting into, oh, the state of adolescent psychotherapy in America today and the problems inherent in that. And it doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't go right. into these big global, it doesn't introduce these big um, aperture opening social things. Or Blade Runner is another one that really does that that opens the aperture to let this to explore this kind of future society, although characters don't get sucked into these little you know side conversations about the world today right we just mm-hmm. see it the film just shows it to us and this one this one does the former this one introduces these big themes and then the the characters talk about it like that's what this movie is going to be about and it, it is at least in part and then you think well i think it would have been a better movie if they'd have just shown and not told yeah yeah i would agree with that but I do recommend it, and I did enjoy it. And if you have HBO Max and you you like these actors, uh, I think the performances are fun, and it's I, I it sort of flabbergasts me that it didn't at least make its money back forty one million. I mean, we've 
watched way worse movies than this that have made a profit. I mean, oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Much worse. Yeah. This is a watchable movie despite, I mean, I, I feel like I've been complaining about it the whole time, but I, I actually really do like this film. Um, yeah, I would agree. It's, I mean, it was really entertaining. I'm glad that I finally saw it. It seems that this could just be, I saw a lot on Twitter about this. Uh, so it could be, you know, Twitter isn't necessarily real life, but uh, it seems a bit like it's something that people are, uh, I don't know if rediscovering is the right, is the right word, but that, you know, a lot of younger people who wouldn't have seen this the first time around or are now seeing it, that it's on, uh, since it's on HBO max. And yeah, so if you have HBO max, definitely, it's definitely worth a watch. You know, if you can, if you don't have HBO max and you can find it elsewhere, um, that's good too. But I mean, I would have to say it's, you know, I'm just going off the top of my head, not necessarily thinking everything, um, from this time, but, but I'd say this was definitely one of the better sci-fi movies of the nineties, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's worth, and you know, Catherine Bigelow, the director went on to, you know, she won the Oscar Oscar for the Hurt Locker, you know, so she went on to be a big time director. So it's interesting to see one of her earlier films and, you know, all of these, you know, somebody, uh, I don't know if the menu is the first Ray Fiennes movie that you've you've seen. You know, he could go back and see when he had hair and, and all that. You know, um, he's done great work. And uh, yeah. you know, if you do watch the menu, I'd like to talk about it since I've already seen it. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. And we'll do it. It's an unusual role, I think, for Ray Fiennes. It's mm -hmm. sort of a surprise to see, and they're kind of marketing the movie on him like he's in the poster. Yeah, um, as I think he should be, but. Um, for now, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That is our handle. And maybe you're watching us on YouTube. Maybe you're listening to us on one of your favorite podcast apps. Either way, thank you for joining us. If you have the ability to like and subscribe and comment and interact with us, um, that helps more people be aware of what we're doing here, which exactly we love we like to, to do. Talk to people too. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, for next time, I think we're doing the 1981 horror film Possession. Very different it's, movie from this. Very different movie, um, which has been was was a was sort of afraid it was going to be kind of a lost film for a while, but it's been it's now on Shutter and they've restored it in glorious 4K. And uh, we're going to talk about that next. So if you are into that genre. Why don't you take it out and join us for that conversation? And please do. If you have anything else to add. I think that's it for me. Then we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>